Welcome back. Good to see you this morning. My name is Matt Carvel, one of the elders here at the church. And if you've been with us over the last three months, actually, we've been going through Jesus' words from the Sermon on the Mount found in the Gospel of Matthew. And so today we're actually finishing this passage of the Bible, the Sermon on the Mount. It was three months ago I began the series uh, with you, so it's a privilege to be able to speak this morning and, uh, and, and finish it with you as we look at the closing words of Jesus uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to hear them now uh, on the video. Today's reading is from Matthew 7, verses 24 to 29. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Okay. Preacher once stood up at the end of a Sunday morning meeting and uh, said to the congregation, Who was uh, blessed uh, by the sermon this morning? And uh, when most people put their hands up, he said, You're all deceived. Because you are blessed if you do these things, not just hear them. And that's what Jesus' words are recorded in John 13. And really, Jesus is striking that tone uh, when he closes the Sermon on the Mount here. He's just been uh, preaching probably for hours uh, on a hillside and addressing so many different areas of life, very practical, gritty issues, as well as the big questions about uh, morality, about purpose and calling uh, in life and, and what life is all about. And as he closes his message... He's bringing people to a point of uh, decision. What are you going to do about what you have heard? And so really this message is about words and action, how we connect those two things, and really how we uh, each individually uh, respond to Jesus' teaching and ultimately respond to him. And that's important for any set of teaching that we might hear, people that we listen to, I was a school teacher uh, for a few years, and uh, I would be very pleased if a student came up to me at the end and said, Mr. Carvel, I really enjoyed your teaching. It's a hypothetical situation. I can't remember ever happening. But if it ever did, I would be very pleased with that. But if I were to, uh, after hearing that, looked in their exercise book and see that they've done no work that lesson, and if we were to get to the end of the term and have the test and find that they didn't get any questions right at all, obviously they have not learned anything. They've not applied themselves to what I have said. They might have enjoyed what I've said. They might have agreed with what I've said, but they've not engaged with it to the extent that it's brought about some change in their life. And that's the truth for any set of teaching, and Jesus' teaching is, is, is no different from that. 
It has to bring about transformation if it's going to be worthwhile to us who are hearers. And we can make a mistake just thinking that if we agree with someone or we enjoy what they have to say, therefore it's valuable to us. No, Jesus is saying, what are you going to do now about what you have heard? And so really following on from uh, what Joel spoke to us about last week, uh, unpacking the previous uh, words of Jesus, he's, he's talking about this decision. There's two ways to go. This, live this way or this way. Respond to me in this way and, and take on. Be obedient. That's really, really what he's talking about. Are you going to be obedient to what you've heard? Or are you going to be disobedient? He's very stark, Jesus is, in the contrast uh, that he gives. And this is something that's relevant, I believe, for, for all of us, wherever we are on our sort of faith journey. It might be particularly relevant to you if you're considering the person of Jesus. You're investigating whether his claims about who he is and the claims of the Bible are true and worthy of giving your life to them. And there's a ob- very obvious application for you. But this question of are we going to follow Jesus' word, are we going to be obedient to Jesus, is actually a question that all of us face every day, even if we've been a Christian for many, many years. We have a decision to make when you wake up in the morning. Are you going to follow Jesus? Are you going to think about Jesus when you go about your day-to-day business and the way that you talk and the decisions that you make? Are you going to, as we'll go on to unpack, un- um, follow that on the foundation of Jesus in your life? Or are you going to be influenced by other things and uh, live just the way everyone else lives maybe in your workplace, your family, or in your friendship groups and that sort of thing? It's a daily decision that we have to make. Are we going to be obedient to Jesus? Are we going to build what we're building today on the foundation of Jesus and his teaching? But how do we decide then? There are many things that do influence us day to day, whatever background, whatever situation, whatever faith uh, we have. And it's interesting that how the people respond to Jesus at the end of this Sermon on the Mount. We had that as a sort of footnote at the end there that was just read out. And what what we see is that people heard what Jesus said and they were shocked by it. They were amazed by it. And the thing that stood out to them was that Jesus seemed to speak with authority. Now, anyone who speaks into our life, anyone who has influence over us is an authority. And there are many people all around us in what we watch, what we listen to, what we consume, social media, on the news, and just the opinions of the day that we're constantly surrounded by. We have to make a choice whether we're going to listen to them. And actually what we're doing, we're bringing some authority from them into us if we're choosing to listen to them and take on board what they have to say. We are surrounded by different people speaking with different levels of authority maybe. And the question for us is, who do we look to to influence our decisions and the things that we do in life? Because we will be influenced and we will take on board what others say, even if we're not realizing it's happening. It's constantly happening because we're constantly surrounded by people's opinions and values and outlooks and what's important in life and what's important in the world. And what I've noticed more and more, I'm sure you have too, is the way in which people seem to get authority in our culture, around us all the time. There are uh, people that are seemingly speaking into issues with authority. And actually, I think something has progressed even in the last few years that where that authority comes from. 
Jesus is speaking with authority that comes from within, but actually I think so many people, especially online, social media, that sort of thing, speak with an authority that's given by other people because other people subscribe to them and popularity breeds authority. Uh, there was an example that came to, uh, came to mind as I watched something recently and there was a clip on social media that I saw from a BBC program. It was a current affairs program and it was an interview and the interviewee was someone not from this country and um, from a different background but were speaking into different various issues and the interview was fairly robust and uh, the interview kind of went the way that producers nowadays hope that all interviews go as in it descends into accusation and counter accusation and leads to the uh, interview, interviewee kind of storming off at the end and cutting it short and producers love that now because they can take that clip, put it on, online and know that loads of people will flock to it, it'll be some sort of a viral clip. Well, that's what happens. But what was interesting to me was when people were engaging with that clip on social media, and many people were saying, why should this person even be featured on, a, on the BBC? Because their opinion is very unpopular. There's not many people in this country who'd agree with them, and therefore we shouldn't listen to them at all. We should give them no platform because what they have to say is unpopular. That's the criteria that we're judging them by. And the funny thing was, was not just that, but then actually other people would say, well, no, no, hold on a minute. When you look at him, actually his, he's got millions of followers on social media. So he is popular. So therefore, we should listen to what he said. And that's what happens in our culture. People are getting popular. People are subscribing to their uh, opinions. And therefore, they can speak into authority. And I just want to suggest that is a fairly dangerous thing. It's not to do with any more criteria of whether they're qualified to speak into a certain issue. Whether they have education, whether they have insight, whether they have intellect. No, actually, so often, and we, I think we're all guilty of this, the people that we listen to are just people that are popular. If you search something online, the first results that come up are the popular ones. And we can be quick to sort of look to their answers rather than to be discerning. But Jesus is speaking with an authority that's very different than that. He's not got a hearing with people because what he has to say is popular. No, actually, he's speaking with an authority that comes from, it seems, from within. And we live in a very uncertain time. And in many ways, people are, are wondering about what's going to happen to us as a nation, econo uh, economically, politically, socially. People are worried. What's am I going to have a job next year? Is there going to be riots in the street? Are things going to happen? There's more and more division, it seems, in our country. And it's a very uncertain time. And Jesus is speaking into that kind of uh, environment here, talking about the storms in life, potentially. And also, we're standing, people are standing up at this time as well, specifically at this time, saying, I know the way forward. And in, amidst that anxiety of what's going on, people are saying, no, this is the way forward. I'm making their case to lead our country and that sort of thing. That's what's going on right now. But even... The people that are doing that and saying, this is the way through, I understand how we should proceed right now. Even them, and they're not speaking with the, for want of a better word, arrogance that Jesus is speaking here. Because he's not saying, life's a bit messy and I'll just lead you through here. He is saying something radically different than that. He is really speaking with an authority that shocks people. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. 
the most arrogant politicians amongst us or social media commentators or whoever would never say something is that strong. You can build your life on what I say. And if you don't build your life on what I say, it'll lead to devastation completely. That is a different category of speaking into the issues of life. And he's saying, if you trust me and if you build your life on what I say, you'll be secure and you'll be safe. And if you don't, your life will be worthless. That is the strength of what Jesus is saying here. You know, in the news recently, there's been a number of uh, cases where there's been new build houses uh, around the country that uh, developers have built and people have moved into. And it's, they found very quickly that the materials used in those houses has been substandard, where the shortcuts have been taken on that sort of thing. And uh, people have maybe invested all their money, their life savings into these houses. And then they move in and find all these different problems with it. And actually what they realize is the house that they moved into is worthless because they don't want to live in because they've got all these problems and they can't sell it to anyone else because no one else wants to move in. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. You could invest everything in your life into a way of living, into all the activities that you do, the, the things that you build in life, and it could be worthless. And so it's no wonder that this, his closing words end with such a sort of tragic note here. The house that was built on sand, it fell and great was the fall of it. Great, this is serious. Great was the fall. You could build something your entire life and it'd be worth absolutely nothing. So says Jesus. So what authority are you going to receive in your life? Are you going to respond to these words of Jesus and say, okay, I agree, I'm going to accept that authority. Or are you going to look to other authorities that don't maybe speak in this same dramatic way that Jesus does? The thing about Jesus is that you cannot separate his teaching and who he is. So when Jesus is saying these words of mine, he's not just saying, I've given you some ethical and moral teaching, and therefore uh, you should follow that, and it's a sort of like scheme or way of living. No, everything that he is teaching is pointing to himself. And if you read through the whole of the Gospels, the main message that he's saying is about who he is. It's about his identity. He's saying, I am God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way to the Father. And so all his wisdom and all his teaching is wrapped up in who he is. And so that is the ultimate decision. Are we going to receive him as God and therefore receive everything he has to say and shape our lives entirely around that truth? Or are we going to reject him? Often in the Bible, the... Uh, picture or image of a storm is to do with the judgment of God. And so when Jesus is referring to the storms that beat against the house, he's talking in sort of apocalyptic, eternal terms. He's not just saying this is uh, some tips to, to live. He's saying this is what's going to add up to eternity with me or eternity without me and devastation and destruction. No, all Jesus' teaching hinges on whether he is God or not. And that's ultimately the decision that each of us have to come to in responding in obedience or disobedience. 
Many people over the years have uh, misinterpreted the words of the Sermon on the Mount here and thinking, well, Jesus has spoken into some real life issues and therefore, you know, what he has to say about relationships or how we should treat the poor or power or money and taken just those bits out and think, okay, well, he's giving us a, a scheme, a way of living here, an ethical moral code. If you just take that and just think that is what he's doing in the Sermon on the Mount, you have missed the point. And Jesus, even in the preceding passage, the one we just read today, has outlined how wrong that is. Because he's already given the example of people who would come to him and say, we did these things. We did these things that kind of matched with what you said. We treated you as Lord in one sense, but we were trusting in our external efforts and our behaviors. And Jesus said, I never knew you. Jesus saying, well, there's prophets that might come in my name and sound like I sound like, but notice their fruitfulness. And elsewhere in the Gospels, he he links fruitfulness to relationship with him. Now, ultimately, what Jesus is saying here is he's pointing us to heart trust in him. That's what it means to build our lives on the rock of Jesus is do you trust him with your life? Do you trust him with the full weight of who you are and every aspect of your life and put it fully on Jesus? That's the decision he's asking us to make. It's about heart trust in him fundamentally. It's not about whether aspects of your life match up with things that Jesus has said at various points. Because ultimately, Jesus is saying, you either trust me or you trust yourself. You trust wisdom that comes in, but you're trusting that your efforts, the way you've lived, is good enough to be accepted by God maybe eternally. And Jesus is saying, if you do that, it'll lead to devastation. You might even live a moral life or a good life. Maybe the people that came to Jesus and said, Lord, Lord, we're doing exactly that. In fact, Jesus was most critical of the people in his society that were uh, showing off their good works. And he called them hypocrites. Because they were trusting in their behaviors, but their heart towards God and their true trust was not ultimately in God. It wasn't a faith. It wasn't a relationship with him. The way we live reflects our trust. And all around us all the time is people encouraging us to trust ourselves, to find our purpose, find our calling, find our sense of self from looking within. And there are many examples of this. But maybe the one that's come up recently is a sort of philosophy of living your best life. And this is sort of permeating different, uh, different things that we might watch or look at or listen to online. Live your best life. And that's all about throwing off restraint, doing what you want now because life is short. Not apologizing, but just accepting who you are. Getting up early, maybe watching the sunrise, making the most of time, traveling the world, surrounding yourself with positive people. And most importantly of all, drinking disgusting looking smoothies with ingredients that are fine, hard to find in mainstream supermarkets. That, this whole philosophy, it, but it's, it's, lo- it's looking within. To find what life is about, to find how to live a successful life, you have to look within. Find your own sense of calling, your own sense of destiny, and hold off anyone else who's going to try and uh, put you down and just pursue your dreams and do what you want. 
But what it is, is it's an introspective pursuit of self-glorification. You're trusting that your own efforts, the way you live, is admirable and a worthy life to live. If we were to relate it into Jesus' example here, it would be building your best house now. Jesus has got the house that's built on the rock and the house that's built on sand. The current wisdom of the day is make your house look as good as possible now. Add extra space to it. Use the best materials you can. Make it the envy of everyone else's houses. And that's what people are pursuing all the time. And Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter what type of house you build. But if it's not on a good foundation, it will not last and it will lead to devastation for you. You see, what these man-made philosophies are so um, inadequate to protect us against is the external factors that happen in life. The storms, the wind and the waves that are around, if we're constantly looking within to find success and happiness and peace through this life, but what about the things that happen that we have no control over? Those philosophies are not robust. There's there's nothing wrong with sunrises and smoothies and whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. But if the idea that what's going to make us happy or successful in life is from what's within, but what about the external factors, the things in life beyond other control that just hit us? I think Jesus' language here where he talks about the the wind and the waves or the the floods and the rain and, and the wind that beats the house, I think that's a really good picture of what life does to us sometimes. Has anyone felt that life is just beating them? Again and again and again. Life is really tough sometimes. Relationships with other people can be tough. Careers, getting ahead in the workplace can be difficult. Things happen in life that are just difficult and it's tough and you're just trying to get through and trying to pursue and it feels like life is just whacking you and whacking you and whacking from the outside. And these philosophies are saying, well, just keep looking within, keep going. But how do you deal with the the grief, the disappointment, that when people let you down, when people reject you? What if you look within to find happiness and what you find within just isn't good enough? And that is what many people in our society are finding all the time. They're encouraged to look within. They look within. They find it's not good enough. And then we have epidemics of anxiety all around us, especially amongst those who are Young, who are encouraged this way, most of all. You see, what we... We don't need a life coach. We need a saviour. That's what Jesus has come to say. The world tells us to accept our weakness and failure and just get, come to terms with it. But Jesus offers forgiveness. Jesus offers forgiveness. He's the one who's come into the world to forgive us, to to free us from guilt and free us from shame. Not just minimize it and try and pretend that it's not there. The world tells us to look within to find our purpose and our identity. But Christ comes into the world and says, I will show you the Father. And through faith in me, you can become a child of God. And you can wake up each day and know that you have a Father in heaven who loves you and who is for you. That is what Christ has come to bring. The world says, just well, don't be negative. Don't be a negative person. Don't complain about stuff. 
Okay, that might be good wisdom maybe. But Christ gives us reasons, concrete reasons, to be positive. He gives us reasons to wake up in the morning and think, yes, I am loved by God. I am loved by God. I have a relationship with God who, who accepts me. He's dealt with my sin and he has plans over my life and he has a purpose for my life that is good and I can trust him. And the world says so little about these external factors, how we deal with grief, how we deal with disappointment, how we deal with life's beatings, as it were. But Christ comes into the world and says, I will be with you in all things. I will be the comfort in the storm. I will be the security you can cling to. I will be faithful when no one else is faithful to you. I will be wisdom in any and every circumstance. You know, Jesus at one point stood up and he was teaching the people and he, what he had to say on that day was particularly uh, unpopular with people and they stood up and they left. And Jesus turns to his disciples and said, are you going to leave as well? But his disciples knew Jesus. They had got to know him. They had got to know what he was really like. They had that relationship with him. And it says in John 6 that Peter responds... When Jesus said, are you going to go as well? Peter responds, you have the words of life. The words you give are life to me. Whatever is happening in the world, you give life. It's not just ideas. It's words that bring transformation and healing and wholeness to us. It's words of life. That's Jesus' words to us. Let me, in the, in the last part of what I want to say today, focus on, well, how do we respond in this way? How do we put these into practice? What can we do to respond in obedience, to build our lives on the foundation uh, of Christ? And ultimately, it is the f- fundamental decision of trusting your life to Christ. And that is the first thing, to come in repentance to him, recognize him as the son of God and say, I give my life to you. But that's how we come to Jesus and that's how we continue on in the faith as well. And this truth of Christ to shape our minds and shape our hearts and shape our wills in every day that we live with him. And so the first thing I want to say on that and how we put this into practice is make sure the word of God is shaping our minds of knowing The word of God. I've said already you can't separate God's teaching and himself. It's pointing to him But with all these other influences in life, how are we going to be those that are shaped by Christ's wisdom? Well, it's to be in the word. There's no other uh, substitute to that. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be uh, conformed to the way of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And God has chosen to share himself with us. for us to know what he's like and he's put it down in black and white in our Bible so that we can understand the Bible is revelation of who God is and so if you're going to build your life day by day on the foundation of Jesus you need to know what Jesus says to you and I want to encourage you to be in the word and that has always been the case for God's people and it's always actually what he's required of them let me read you this from Deuteronomy 6 When God's people were first sent into the promised land and they had received the teaching from God via Moses of how they should live, it says this, Deuteronomy 6 verse 4, Hear, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down. And when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. God is saying, I want my word to be all around you in life in a way that's inescapable. You're going to teach them. You're going to teach them to your children. You're going to talk about them at home. How can we apply this? It's getting the word of God in our lives every single day in any means possible. Yes, having that devotional quiet time with God and reading the Bible and praying it through and responding to him, but also learning the Bible, studying the Bible, having the listening to the Bible when we're taking the kids uh, wherever we're taking them, when we're going to work, when we're doing uh, fixing our house at home, listening to the word, reading the word, be, having our lives surrounded by God's word. Yes, it's time consuming and yes, it's challenging and we're all busy people. But if we're busy people, I want to say, what? busy with what? God has shared himself. God has shared his wisdom. And if we're busy building lives and doing that instead of receiving the word of God that is going to inform the way we live, then what, what are we doing? And I'm saying that strongly to you. I'm saying that strongly to myself because if we're not in the word of God, we're ultimately trusting that we know the way through, that we know how to live, that we know how to build a family or build a career or use our time well or any aspect of life. No, God addresses that in all of his scripture about who he is and how that should inform the way we should live and the way we should relate to other people and the way we should relate to God. Proverbs 25 verse 2 said, it's the glory of God to conceal things. And yes, God has concealed his wisdom and his truth and his revelation about who he is in this book. And sometimes it's not easy to understand. And sometimes it is hard going. But it says it's the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings to search them out. That there is a royal divine mandate on those who follow Jesus to get into the word and pull out the treasure that is life to us. And I want to encourage you to do that. We have a Bible plan as a church. Our website, forward slash Bible. Follow with us. Join in now if you've not been joining in before. Read the New Testament with us or the whole Bible or the Psalms. Get in your small groups. Engage with the word of God. I want to encourage our small groups. Yes, discuss the word, but also challenge one another. Encourage one another to understand the word and know what God is saying to us. Pursue the word of God. And so have your mind shaped in everything that you're building by his truth and his way. Have our minds shaped, but also have our hearts shaped. And I'm not going to go too much into this uh, because Joel so excellently a few weeks ago did that when he was talking about Jesus' words of asking, seeking, knocking. That the pursuit of God in the place of prayer is what we are all called to as followers of Christ. We're pursuing a relationship with him, knowing him bringing every aspect of our lives to him, committing all of our days and everything that we're involved in to God in prayer and seeking him as a person in prayer and committing everything to him. Again, 
if we're building families, if we're building careers, if we're building whatever we're building, friendships, but we're not committing those aspects to prayer, we're actually saying, well, I can do them myself. But Jesus is saying, no, no, make me your foundation. Be dependent on God. God does not require us to live lives independent on, from him and somehow show him that we're good disciples. No, no, the whole point is recognize our need and be dependent on him, dependent on his word, dependent in prayer, waking up each day and saying, I cannot do what I need to do today without you. And so many times I know in my life I've gone into situations and gone into things and just gone about my daily business and I have to stop myself and think, I'm doing this on my own strength. I, I think I've got the wisdom and insight to be able to do this. And God says, no, give it all to me. Commit it in prayer. Yes, carry it out. Yes, carry it out, but have that attitude. I need God. I need your help today to live in a way that honors you, to bless those who are around me, to pursue the things of God, to do my work, to serve my children, to be a good father, husband, Everything that you're called to do, we need to be desperate in the place of prayer. That's what it means to have a foundation in God. The foundation is the one that we trust. And also, finally, to shape our wills, to shape our decisions. We're faced with decisions every single day, and some of them are very mundane decisions, but some of them are huge decisions. And Jesus makes no apology that his teaching and his wisdom is at odds with the wisdom of the world in so many different ways. And in following him, in building our lives on the wisdom of God, he is going to create conflict, probably at some stage, with those around us, because we've chosen to live his way and not according to other wisdom. And if we're firm in the truth of who he is, it's not easy, but it's part of what it means to build a life on Jesus. Despite the opposition and despite even the cost, what Jesus has to say in terms of relationships, in terms of identity, in terms of money, in terms of security, issues of life and death, the priorities and purpose of life, Jesus has a very different story to tell about how those things should go. And all of us have a decision, am I going to follow what Jesus says? Am I going to follow the Bible? Or am I going to agree with just what everyone else is saying? Jesus can't be starker in his two options in these verses. In what you are building, in your family, in your career, in your relationships, in your finances, are you going to build them according to God's way? Are you going to take shortcuts? Are you going to just fit in with other people? He's calling us to live a different way. So let me close with this. What are you building in your life Think of all the different things that you're trying to achieve. Because we are building. You might say, well, I'm not really building anything. But all of our lives move forward. We can't stop. There's, there's relationships, friendships that we're building. There's, there's homes that we're building, households that we're building. Most of us will be building a, a career or, or in, in the workplace. And are you building it for yourself or are you building it for the glory of God? You know, when I was preparing this, I was imagining uh, a, a king that was, he'd got a statue built to his own glory, I suppose. Huge statue that reflected his 
greatness and how um, majestic he was. That's maybe a, a sort of picture that we get from the Old Testament. And Jesus is saying, you can build those sorts of statues. And imagine this king standing in front of it, and then the statue just comes down and just crushes him. And that's what Jesus is saying about the way we build in life. And we might not build statues, but in what we do in life, we do want recognition. We do want to have a life that other people look on and say, yeah, you've done well there. There's, I think, an innate desire in us to build a life that's worthwhile and important and looks maybe impressive to and I think that's been exacerbated by social media all the time we compare each other's lives and we think I want my life to count something for something I want a career family home wealth success recognition and as I was thinking of that I was thinking of a maybe a poem that we got had to read in school by Shelley Ozymandias this great uh, Egyptian king, and there's a line that says, look upon my works, ye mighty, and despair. Now, maybe we wouldn't say it as arrogantly as that, but there is, there's something in us that wants other people to look on what we've done and be impressed by it. If we're living like that, if we're trusting in the things that we do, we are not following Christ. The Christian doesn't say, look upon my works, ye mighty in despair. He says, look upon him. Look upon his mighty works, Jesus Christ's mighty works, and rejoice. And rejoice. Jesus' words here, verse 27, end on a very tragic note. He doesn't sort of add in a really positive, upbeat ending. No, great was the fall of it. He's very clear. There's two ways to live. We live in a time and a culture that says there are many ways to live. There are many philosophies that are going to be helpful. Pick a little bit here, take a little bit there, and do what seems right to you, and you'll find your way through. And Jesus says, no, there's two ways. There's not just two ways that are equally good. There's a right way, and there's a wrong way. There's a wise way, and there's a foolish way. There is a secure way, a way that leads to everlasting security and a way that leads to destruction. There's a way of life and there's a way of death. There's a way of Jesus and there is a way that isn't Jesus. And that includes everything else that is not trust in Christ. People say, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. Jesus says, you can't get more wrong than that. No, there is one way to live. And so we have to make that decision. If Jesus is right, if Jesus is correct in his teaching to us, then he is, his claim is that he is God. And if he is God, he doesn't deserve just to be a little bit in our lives, but the very foundation of our lives. You can't build, have a house and then say, well, I'm just going to add a foundation in now. You know, the foundation has to come first and then everything else gets built on top of it. Jesus cannot be added into your life. He must be the foundation of your life. And so how do we respond? We respond by repenting and starting again. And if it's all of our lives that have not yet put trust in Christ, then that's the first step to repent and say, God, I've built on a different foundation. I've built a house to the glory of me and not the glory of you. Repent and start again. And maybe for many of us, there's different areas of our lives. 
might not be the whole of it, but there's different areas maybe that we know I've not given that part of my life to God. I'm, I'm living for myself there. I want glory for myself. I'm living according to the wisdom of other people or the wisdom of myself. And Jesus say, come to me, repent, turn to me and start again. And when we do start again, we find life. This is a somber end to his message. But it doesn't need to be one of devastation. It can be one of life. And we, if, we, if we see who Jesus is, as Peter did, and say, Jesus, you have the words of life. Come to him today and receive his life for your life. Let me pray. Father God, we so thank you, Lord, that you have sent your son into the world so that we don't have to live as those building on sand, that we can know Christ. And I want to pray that you'd help all of us even now to respond to you, Lord Jesus. And if it's our lives in their entirety or if it's areas of our lives that are not yet submitted to you, Lord, you'd help us by your spirit to repent and give that to you. And you be the foundation and us enjoy a relationship with you from now and for forever. In Jesus' name, amen.